Hi, friends. Welcome back to Practicing Faith with Nate and Tucker. We hope you're doing great today. And so excited to be in the Book of Mormon. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but but going back to the Book of Mormon, this time for whatever reason, maybe it's the cycle of Come Follow Me, where we've been a Doctrine and Covenants, Old Testament, New Testament, and then back in the Book of Mormon. I'm able to see it with fresh eyes in this context. And it's really like, I see the characters in different ways. I see the people walking through there in different ways. It's just like more, it's fresh to me. It's different to me. And we were talking this morning, and Tucker, you just said that you had this fresh experience with Lehi here as you read these chapters. And you're like, this is a different guy than I thought he was before. Like, like tell me about just your studies and what you've seen anew here, if you will. Yeah, absolutely, Nate. This time through, uh, I saw Lehi in this beautiful new context. Lehi is stepping into complexity here. By complexity, I mean this three-step three model that Elder Hafen uses when he says, we move from innocent simplicity into complexity and then mature simplicity. Or the way that Brian McLaren says it is we move from simplicity to complexity to perplexity, then to harmony. And this is so cool to see this happening with Lehi in my mind, where I'd never read it like this before. But we see that as he, as the prophets come out in Jerusalem during his day, it seems like he's a hearer at first. And then he goes and prays to the Lord with all of his heart, it says. And then a pillar of fire comes. And it says he did quake and tremble exceedingly. He goes home and throws himself on his bed. There's something about this message that is both inspiring and it seems intimidating. And then he has this other vision where he sees Jesus and apparently the 12 coming down and Jesus hands him a book. And then he reads it. He's filled with the spirit and he says, Woe, woe unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations. And so Lehi moves from simplicity into complexity here the way I see it anyway, that he moves from this place of maybe he was okay with what was going on in Jerusalem. Maybe it was working for him. I mean, he was wealthy. He had his family, his kids and everything. And and at least it seems that they have some gold and silver stored up here. And maybe Jerusalem was working really well for Lehi as it was. And then the prophets come and then he prays. And then all of a sudden he gets this message that is like, oh, wait, Jerusalem, Jerusalem has a shadow side here. I mean, and maybe it's an intense shadow side because the way he says it, I've seen thine abominations, right? And in our spiritual maturity and just in our, our adult development, oftentimes we move from this place of simplicity where everything is awesome, to quote the Lego movie, to be like, oh, wow, I can see things that I never saw before. And to me, I relate to this going back to when I was like in the middle of an intense faith crisis and serving in my ward, Bishop Rick. I remember sitting on the stand looking out as, you know, maybe somebody would be giving a talk and, you know, with all of their heart expressing sincere, sincere confidence that if you just live the gospel, everything works out great. Maybe it's a, a young couple that is like, oh, we got married in the temple. Everything is awesome. We've got our kids. And just if we keep the commandments, everything works out perfectly. 
And I would sit on the stand and sometimes look out of the congregation and think, oh, that's that's hurting that person over there. Their, their situation isn't working out according to this simple equation that sometimes we use um, and call it the gospel, right? And Elder Christofferson talked about the, the vending machine. Um, and there's not some cosmic vending machine where we just put in our obedience and then out pops the perfect life, right? So I see Lehi moving from this stage or phase of simplicity into complexity. And then he's like full of the spirit. So he goes and shares what he's seeing about Jerusalem's shadow side with people in Jerusalem. And then it says how they, he says, he testified to them of their wickedness and their abominations in verse 19 of chapter one. And None of us like that, right? To when somebody points out our shadow side individually, it's super hard to take. And I can see both sides here. Lehi's excitement to share and Jerusalem's, you know, uh, offense at having the shadow side point pointed out. And I'm seeing here this time through the Book of Mormon that that's actually what happens when you move into complexity, you start to see things, you start to point to things that uh, could use some work. And it's really painful for, for both sides, both someone that is um, indicating, hey, there's something here that's not the way it should be among us. And somebody else who's feeling like that's offensive, and you're crossing a line here. So I can actually see both sides. And and hold compassion for Lehi in his excitement and, and probably his astonishment that people wanted to kill him after he was sharing this message that had spirit and love in it and hope behind it in his heart and then being met with rejection. It's, it's hard when we move into this complexity, this perplexity, and we're moving toward this harmony and then we try to pull others into it. It just often results in... It results in divisions and difficulty and separation. This happens in families and societies, in, in wards, churches, communities. It's a hard move. And so my heart goes out to Lehi. And, you know, we always refer to Lehi as a prophet, but he's kind of a different kind of prophet here. He His stint in Jerusalem as a prophet who was prophesying was really short. And he moves from being a uh, a, a potential prophet that could like bring a bunch of people with him from Jerusalem, not with him to leave because he doesn't know he has to leave yet, of course, but bring a, a bunch of people into complexity and closer to this harmony. Um, but instead he gets rejected and he becomes a prophet dad who can fit his entire following into a tent. Um, and then Ishmael comes along and joins a little bit later, but, yeah, I, my heart goes out to Lehi. Right. Well, and, and let's take a look at where Lehi starts taking his family here. As he sees some of the, the shortcomings, perhaps, of his Jewish tradition, like for him, what is the, the next step to bring them into the presence of God to help his sons and daughters, his grandkids kind of take this next step to have an abundant life now? 
and, and to live in a way that is meaningful and powerful. And he, he does it in, in some interesting ways, just like Jesus frequently tries to get people to, to come along um, through parables and kind of indirect speech. Now, there are times that Lehi like comes at them, right, as he's lecturing in the valley of mm-hmm. um, Lemuel, right, by the river of Laman. Did I get those right? Or they yeah. switched? Uh, but there, there are times it seems that he's direct, but like he doesn't even record those things that he says so much. But what he does record is, is kind of uh, his, his visions and these dreamlike states. And we could almost see them as parable uh, ways where he presents like, hey, this is how you take the next step to, to have an abundant life and the next step on the spiritual progress. But they're full of uh, of metaphor and imagery and, and different things like that. And, and so let's jump in there and let's look and see what he sees as the the solution to taking the, this next step uh, along the, the spiritual path here. So um, take us into the vision a little bit. Like, what do you see? What stands out to you? What images can we focus on as we take our next steps? That sort of stuff. Yeah, you bet. So Lehi's vision uh, of the tree is just, I mean, we could dive into this for so long. We'll kind of overview, but one of the things that I think Lehi is starting to experience as he goes into the wilderness is he's starting to see God everywhere. And this is one of the beautiful parts of kind of spiritual rebirth, spiritual awakening, things like that, is you see God like in the river now I'm going to switch the ones. River, Layman, Valley of Lemuel, whichever was which. Yeah, like he's starting to see God and sense his presence in and through all things rather than traditionally maybe what the the God that they might have been preaching more or or not even preaching, but just believing in, in Jerusalem. Like, is this God, distant God on a throne, which Lehi even sees in an early vision, but then you see him start to like, like, oh, God's, God's all around us. And uh, there's symbols pointing us to him everywhere. And here we go with the tree of life, Um, which by the way, Lehi never calls the tree of life. Nephi does, but he just sees this tree in it. And so many angles to look at this from. Let's look at it first from this angle. Lehi, the prophet dad, he has this dream. And then after the dream, he's like, oh, I'm worried about Laman and Lemuel. Right. And he tells the dream and then he exhorts them with all the feeling of a tender parent trying to help them wake up spiritually. And so there's that angle of looking at the vision as a reality of where different people are along their spiritual progression. And Nate, recently, another way that I've read this that's been super helpful for me is seeing this whole vision taking place inside of me. Uh, Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven is within us. Kingdom of God is within us. I've seen all of these uh, visuals as an inner reality, like the great and spacious building is my ego. And when I start accusing others or getting into what Nephi is going to translate it as the vain imaginations, when I start just getting caught up in imagining the future in vain or caught up in the past, I'm in just in my vein, I'm in my head, really easy to, way to say being in the great and spacious building. I see that as pulling me away. And you've got this rod that people start out on the path with that kind of helps them get direction. 
And then eventually they've kind of got to release the rod and take the love of God and taste the fruit. And there's uh, all kinds of temptations that, that obscure this path to the love of God. But I can actually see all these symbols as helpful when I take them inside of me uh, transformationally. Uh, I don't know if if you've if this resonates, Nate, but sometimes my my brain, my ego wants to apply the scriptures to everybody else and like use the scriptures as a way to justify where I'm at uh, compared to somebody else. And I've often used Lehi's vision in that way. And what that does is it kind of freezes me along my own spiritual path. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, it gets pushed externally instead of internally, right? Right. And I think with Jesus's parables, um, that's a temptation there, too. Like with the five wise and five foolish virgins, right? It's like, oh, I'm so glad I'm one of the wise ones. Those foolish ones are these other people that are living life like this rather than seeing in me there's a spirit and there's wisdom. And in me, there's also some foolishness that I need to like see and root out and process and work through. It's the same with Lehi's vision. We can see it as illustrating our inner reality. And that can help us uh, like transform and move forward a lot faster than if we just see it as evidence that we're right and others are wrong and we're on the path holding to the rod or eating from the tree or wherever we visualize ourselves. Nate, do you want to comment on that and see if anything comes up that's helpful for you? Yeah, well, um, let's just talk through um, th this vision a little bit as if it is uh, meant for us and in our internal spiritual progress. He, he finds himself in, in this strange new space and then he is able to walk along the straight path let go of the path and eat fruit that is greatly desirable. And then he notices that life doesn't end and become perfect at that point, that there's still opposition and calling and temptation and other people aren't listening. Um, and, and so maybe let, let's go through each of those symbols and see if we can talk about that a little bit from this internal perspective. Like just for me, like uh, starting on a couple of these first ones, when you find yourself in the this um, this wilderness, this wild, this is what life is like in many ways. We're trying to do the best we can. And we, we don't come with instruction manuals a lot of times. There's a, a lot of variety of decisions and we're trying to seek out things that make us feel good and avoid feeling bad. Um, and we're going to see that later on with Nephi's vision, people trying to feel their way to the, the building or to the uh, tree, both with intentions of feeling good and feeling light. But then there, there's that straight path. And for me, a lot of times growing up, I interpret this as strict obedience, right? One way to do things. But like I, I like the spelling of this straight path. Both of them mean narrow. And to me, it points more towards a balance point or harmony. Just like uh, I watched some BYU gymnastics, that balance beam, you can do flips on it if you are trained, if you're correctly balanced, but also the balance of a pendulum, right? That center point can be a point of rest, where if you go way off the other side, you're going to swing back way over to the other side. And just in my life, like I found when I, I find that harmonious point where it's not too much or too little, as it talks about in Doctrine and Covenants, um, but it's just this point where it's like the, the center point, that point of harmony, that seems to take me closer and closer 
to this transformation or the love of God that, that I'm seeing there. What do you see, though, as you see that, that field and you see that rod or that, that straight and narrow path? Mm, I love that, Nate. Um, I think it's really interesting in Lehi's version of how he gets to the tree, right? He kind of sees the rod and things looking back. But when he says, uh, I saw, methought I saw in my dream a dark and dreary wilderness. This is chapter 8, verse 5 of First Nephi. Now going into verse five, and it came to pass that I saw a man and he was dressed in a white robe and he told me to follow him. And so verse seven, it came to pass as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste. And after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray into the Lord that he would have mercy on me. I wonder how parallel that is to, to what happens in the beginning of first Nephi one, right? Where he's crying out to the Lord for me, Nate, um, I look back and and I think of so much of my life trying to find happiness, trying to find fulfillment in the world itself and the world not being a bad thing, but just uh, satisfying the appetites of the natural man that lead to pleasure or whatever it is. And just coming up empty over and over and over and over again. And my soul just longing to be filled. It's almost like we we take our internal control and we remove that control and put it externally. Mm-hmm. And then, then suddenly we don't have control over that happiness, but we've placed all of our hope in a career or a relationship or a person or the outcome of a football game or all of these variety of things, ice cream, I don't know. But anytime we remove that internal locus of control and place it externally, it seems like it it becomes a lot more of a gamble whether or not it will come up, I don't know, jackpot or whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, maybe we'll invite the listeners to pause and take a second of reflection and think, what things in your past have you tried to find happiness and fulfillment through that ended up only delivering perhaps temporary pleasure, but not this fruit, this, this great joy, exceedingly great joy that, that fills your soul. So maybe just take 30 seconds to ponder that. What have you tried to find fulfillment and peace through that ended up not being able to deliver it. So if this is your first time listening to our podcast, it's practicing faith. We'll take some pauses and things to let you just kind of do some inner practices and pondering. Uh, for you, Nate, what what comes up as you think about what what has been this kind of dark and dreary uh, for you that didn't yield the fruit that you wanted it to? Um, frequently I've tried to, to have people like me or to be good enough that they, they like me or to perform in a way that I get recognition. Um, and not even, and that not big things like 
food or sex or um, variety or newness. Like the, there have been all sorts of external strategies uh, I've tried to, to use um, in almost like a, a computer testing form where you, you try out iterations of things. Like that's how you have these learning algorithms on AI. That's not like they're actually smart. They just test millions or billions of possibilities and it get ones and zeros right there. And it's almost like I was filling my way out there with ones and zeros trying to find my path forward through the dark and weary waste. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of how this existence is designed, right? Sometimes we beat ourselves up for, um, oh, that was so stupid that I put all my eggs in that basket or that I tried to find happiness in that. But how else do we figure out this path other than experience, right? For me, it's been that real life experience of like trying to taste a fruit and it ended up bitter or trying to find happiness in something, maybe changing the analogy here to finding out that, you know what, I still feel empty. It's still dark and dreary here in this wilderness. Um, and I think that God is totally down with that. <laughs> like maybe I'm nuts, but I think that God loves us experimenting, learning for ourselves, making mistakes, and learning what doesn't fill our souls so that eventually, uh, like like Lehi, um, he starts to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on him according to the multitude of his tender mercies. And we eventually, uh, hopefully, get to this point where we start... Where, we start reaching towards spirit and God and spirituality to find fulfillment rather than trying to get it in the dark and dreary wilderness that can't by its nature, cannot through success or material things or whatever it is, cannot deliver to us. And I would submit to you that and, and to everybody, like it is going to be normal to have a breaking experience and maybe several breaking experiences where you really are broken in some way. Um, and then you plead for help uh, and, and consider that an okay part of the, this process of growth. And, and it seems to be fairly universal um, in, in ex our experiences as humans to, to grow spiritually, to have, uh, these breaking moments uh, as a pathway forward, just like Lehi does here, right? Mm, absolutely. And I'll share a recent experience. Um, I'm a teacher, and recently I did something in class that I I regretted doing after I did it. And like at the moment, I thought it was funny, but it ended up like embarrassing some of my students. I won't go into the details, just to remain anonymous here with my students, but I did something that I really regretted. And then the next morning in my meditation, um, I tried to just move on after it happened. I apologized and stuff and I tried to move on. But the next morning in my meditation, uh, as I was just trying to come to this place of peace and connection with God, um, I had this intense kind of darkness and shame rise up uh like that was really it's really hard to explain but i just felt kind of this white hot shame that i didn't know better than to do what i did in that class i've been teaching for 20 plus years and i still made this really foolish mistake um and so you know 
in my meditation, I was just like, oh man, how could I be so dumb? And then I noticed, okay, that inside me is my great and spacious ego, like pointing fingers at me, just attacking me. And so what I need to do instead of like get in that shame spiral is I just need to open up to this and walk forward. The way forward on that path for me was like to accept the feeling, not try fight or flight, but to accept it, open myself to it and just feel it. And so I just uh, stepped back from that shame um, messaging that I could hear in my head and opened myself up to this pain. And honestly, Nate, it was painful. It spread through my whole body and it was really intense for a, for a while. And then eventually it passed through me and I found this amazing peace and, uh, and really I felt like I was standing by the tree and I was like, okay, we made it through that. So for me, that little experience was like an iteration in the inside of me of this, this vision. And if we could use it in this way, I was in the dark and dreary wilderness. I had tried to find happiness through doing something silly in my class that I felt out, uh, felt bad about later. Um, and then, so I just faced it. I walked forward. There was some, you know, mocking of myself from or like torturing of myself from my ego. There was even maybe the mist arising of darkness that was like, no, don't like resist this. Don't open yourself to to feeling this experience. And after struggle, I'm not perfect at this, but I did open myself and then moved forward until I felt this great peace and more oneness with God. And uh, I feel like that is super helpful to everyday experience that every day I'm actually in this dream and I'm going to have opportunities that come up to be in my ego, to be in my vain imaginations, uh, to be caught up in my mind where I can just be really present with life. And when the disturbances arrive, move forward and feel them, accept them, and then uh, be able to stand at the tree and enjoy the loving presence of God. And for me, it's totally worth it every time that disturbance rises up to move forward and accept it and be a little transformed. And my hope is this, is that now that I've had that experience, I will never again be as foolish as I was, at least in that way. <laughs> I'll come up with a new way to be a moron. I am sure of that. But um, in that way, I don't think I'm going to go back um, to the insensitivity that that uh, produced that mistake. And so here we go, back on the path again, and I'll do something foolish again. And God's down with me learning through experience and mistakes rather than trying to live a perfect life that is never going to happen and be fully frustrated all the time. And so as you're talking and describing, we're talking about normal day-to-day -day stuff or or maybe even big events that will break us open and seek us to, if we will, open up. And as we open up, what we are saying is that the, the fruit or this tree that is most desirable is this unity with God, this presence of God is what you described, the love of God. We can call it grace or spirit or light or truth. But there is this sense that as you unite with this, there is an enabling power uh, full of grace and peace and love that transforms us and transforms the moment we're living in. 
there is still a dark and dreary waste around. There are still difficulties and clouds of darkness, but we're able to be in this situation united with divinity in a new way. And we are new and therefore the, the situation then becomes new. And we're, we're claiming that, that this is the process to get to there. And it is enabled because of Christ, because of his path forward. We therefore don't have to worry about fixing everything. He has fixed it. What we have to do is open up to him, trust him, and have faith in him. And this unity will naturally take place and upwell in us and transform us and help us. Would you agree with that or push back anywhere there? Mm, that's a beautiful way to describe it, Nate. And for me personally, with that experience that I passed through, uh, after I was, I had processed that, I did make some apologies and things like that and fix things. But I was coming from not a place of shame and of like beating myself up, but of just like sincere love for the people that were affected in the situation. And it wasn't torturous. Like it was a joyful repentance and that word repentance sometimes has like has a lot of baggage attached to it. But what I would say, it's a joyful, like at oneing with God and others that happens as we partake of the fruit of this tree. It just changes our life and, and life becomes something that's exceeding joyful, uh, as Lehi said, beyond de desirable above all other fruit. And that's been my experience that the fruit on the spiritual path is better than any other fruit that you could ever find in this life. And and I want you to notice that this is not happiness you're creating. You, you don't have to get to this certain point where you have it. And if it sounds like that's the case, like that's not what we're describing. It's this part of us that opens up, like we face this difficulty and challenge and we open up to God and we allow it to come in. And this can be a new skill for us. We've been practicing other ways uh, of seeking this happiness that, that we described for so long. It can be new to try and get to this point. So, so let's take a moment and, and let's just practice this pattern a little bit. Uh, so that when you are, are faced with something like this coming up through the day, that, that you're able to, to duplicate this for yourself um, when it comes up. So can you take us through something simple that we can do now and maybe even replicate in a mini form later, Tucker? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do just a simple little practice of walking through uh, the tree of life metaphorically uh, in a way that can be really practical in our everyday life to, to practice faith here. So we'll just invite everybody listening to settle in and get in a comfortable position. Uh, suggest in some position where your spine is straight so you can be alert and perhaps even close your eyes if you have that option right now so that you can fully just take the next few moments to practice and be present as we practice faith here together. Let's go ahead and take a deep breath in and on the out breath, just release it. You can even vocalize if you want on that side to let the air out and relax completely. Oh. And just bring your attention into your body. We're going to do our best now to withdraw the energy from our head. Sometimes we get in those vain imaginations, that great and spacious in our head, right? And now we're going to take a moment to just redirect our attention to our body. Let's start at the top of our head. 
and start to notice any tension in the top of your head and relax completely top of your head down through your face find any physical tension or difficulty or resistance and release it relax completely down through your neck your shoulders down your arms all the way to your fingertips see if you can relax fully and release any tension down through your chest your abdomen to your upper legs through your calves to your feet and toes go ahead and take another deep breath breathe it out and see if you can relax fully through your whole body and just focus on the pleasant sensation of full relaxation and presence in your body. Now, as we're present in our body, it's very normal to just have thoughts come up. Oh, I've got to do this, or I forgot about that. And sometimes it's there are disturbances that come up with it. Um, we might even call these some form of darkness that you feel coming up. Maybe it's fear or stress or anger. And what we want to do in this is not push them away, but allow them to arise. That's part of this practice. And if you even want to Think of a recent time when you felt some type of disturbance within you. Just allow yourself to feel the nature of that disturbance. Locate where it is in your body, even. A recent disturbance or anything that you're just currently feeling. It might be a tightness or a... Sometimes I'll feel kind of a fluttering sensation in my chest or in my abdomen. And as that arises up, just locate it. See if you can pay attention to the contours of how that disturbance feels. What's its shape? It's smooth or rough. Does it have edges to it? And as you locate the shape, see if you can even feel, is it, is there pressure to it? Is it wanting to expand or wanting to contract? And Jesus Christ in his ministry, in his life, he, he was always showing us how to surrender to a situation rather than resist it. So as you come to feel that sensation, just allow it to be. And instead of trying to push it down or get rid of it, surrender to it. If it wants to expand, allow it to expand. If it wants to contract, just allow it to contract. And just be fully present with the sensation. See if you can open up and allow it to be and relax into it.
as you do this practice, your mind might pull you into things. You might want to start thinking about why am I feeling this way? And we don't want to get caught back in those vain imaginations, right? And try to think our way through it. We're going to trust the grace of God to help us process surrender and trust Christ to help us release this. So just bring your attention back to it and keep moving forward with accepting it, experiencing it, opening it up, opening up to it. As you feel your mind pulling you away to think or divert your attention, just redirect your attention back into being present. In your body with the sensations. And you might feel the sensation starting to shift and change and move and just allow it to shift, change and move. Be curious and open to it to what's happening. And if you want to, you feel like you need to spend more time with this, if you feel like something's beginning to change, go ahead and pause and sit with it and allow it to change. You feel it flowing out, dissolving, allow it to flow out and dissolve. And if it's not flowing or dissolving, you might just need to spend more time being present with it. So feel free to pause the podcast and work with it for a little bit. Otherwise, as it starts to dissolve, see if you can locate any feelings of peace, of love flowing toward you. Now we're turning toward the tree, turning toward the love of God, and allow yourself to open to that sensation of rising peace and love, mercy, forgiveness. And if you'd like, if visualization works well for you, you, you can even picture yourself partaking of fruit of the tree that Lehi describes and feeling light and peace and love fill your body. This is what Jesus was referring to when he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Allow the rest and the love of God to expand, to increase, and to heal. And if you'd like to continue sitting with this for a while, feel free to pause the podcast. And now we'll just wrap it up and notice the quality of peace, any quality of peace or joy, the love that you feel inside you. And as you open your eyes and re-engage with the world, see if you can hold on to that quality and bring it with you. 
And Nate, there's one practice that might feel strange and new and totally different um, to people, especially if you're listening to this podcast for the first time. But it can be something just absolutely, in my experience, transformational in helping me process life, be open to life, experience life, and spend more time at the tree than I had before I learned to like open up and process and accept. And uh, what are your thoughts, Nate? Yeah, for me, it's been very powerful and transformative. I would just give you, if you're new to it, a couple of warnings or cautions. Don't be surprised that when something disturbing comes up, if you have a strong emotional reaction to that, that's normal, especially when these things are perceived as a threat. Your body is going to respond like it is a threat to its survival. You're going to have a, a dump in adrenaline. You're going to feel anxious, your stomach tight, and, and you're going to want to move or escape or get away. These are all natural reactions. But if you can sit with it, you're going to have those emotions fade a little bit. You're you're even going to feel it physically. There's going to be a warmth in your body, perhaps like a, a spike in this. All, all of these chemicals run through and do their processes. Be okay with all of that. And it may be uncomfortable, but the more you can relax into that discomfort, the more you practice this skill, the more you'll get better at it. It's like any other skill. You're not able to, to play complex compositions on the piano the first time you sit down. You're not able to hit three pointers consistently until you practice it. This is a skill of spirituality where we learn to face some of those difficulties and allow them to go through. And also don't be surprised if you feel like you've processed one thing and it comes up again. That's okay. Don't get frustrated with yourself saying like that. That is again, maybe the big, great and spacious building, like lecturing yourself. Face whatever comes up and let it process in that, that natural uh, scope. And you'll notice that the more you do it, the more it will flow more naturally and the more time you'll be able to spend in peace rather than disturbance. So ju just a couple of warnings, especially as you're new to it and to, to be prepared for some of those things. Yeah. I'll, and I'll add to that. If you find that uh, we're working with disturbances here, right? And if you find like there's some serious trauma in your past, to work through trauma is like a different ball game than working through disturbances, right? And so, uh, yeah, a professional can help you work through trauma, um, and it's a different it's a different ball game. It's a different level than what we're doing working with disturbances here in this situation. So, um, we hope this is helpful uh, for us. It's been super helpful. So we're just throwing it out there to see if it helps anybody else out there. We hope that you feel the love of God in your life, that you find yourself standing at that tree like Lehi did and uh, seeing just the beauty of the world and life all around you. So thanks for being with us today, everybody.